Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bootstrap Web. This is the Anything But Election Talk episode. Brian, how are you? <laughs> Doing good. Just trying to, you know, keep my sanity over here. But we're 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 making it through. It's yes, it's yes. Friday. We, you know, for for all of you listening, you probably know what's happening in the world right now. We don't know what's happening in the we world. So uh, yeah, yes. Well, the city of Portland is taking it very well. So that that's nice. That things are going swimmingly. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, what's happening in uh, on the business front? Cardhook logo in the Shopify app store. It's mm-hmm. real. So we, we are. What can you tell us? So what I can tell you is <laughs> the analogy imperfect as it may be that I used with the company is it's the Mike Tyson analogy. Everyone's got a plan. <laughs> punch in the face. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we, we, we got punched in the face and we we're in it. We're in the fight now. It's fun and it's high stakes and it's high pressure and I have a lot of concerns around the team, like morale and energy, just because it's, it was a real sprint to get it done. And it's not like now that it's out, we get to rest. Now we're like fully in it and everything matters and reviews are scary and competition feels like more ramped up. So it's, it's, it's go time. Let's unpack this a little bit. So what, it was Monday, right? Monday or Tuesday, it, it went live? It went live on Monday and that part, that part was fun, right? So if, I, if like, we, I want to know like what, what was day one? Like what was the, the very first impression? Was it like, yeah, what it was, it was a lot of coordination right on uh, behind the scenes on our side because we launched multiple things at the same time. So, you know, I think I've spoken before about how I look at what's happening inside the company as like, where is the fire burning hottest? At any point in time, it's not like everything's on fire or everything requires attention. There's usually one part of the company that there's more going on, whether that's sales or engineering or product, right? There's like a, where's the focus? Where's the, all, a lot of the energy being uh, taken up? And it moved around over the past few months where it was purely on engineering and product for a while because it was, okay, we have about 60 days to build this product from scratch. And that, that was very intense. That was product and UX and UI design and then working with engineering to get it done. And then it started to shift. As the product started to go toward QA and testing and buttoning things up and making sure things are okay, the energy went toward marketing. And it went toward, well, think about all the assets we need. So we launched a completely new website. Uh, because it didn't make sense to try to keep the old website and like tweak around the edges. We just said, look, let's let's do it already. And then one of our like strategic ways to invest over this was in brand. If the product isn't, isn't able to uh, differentiate itself very much because the API on Shopify side is so new, the features literally are limited. You, you can't do that much. You can't do WYSIWYG. You can't make that many edits on the design. And so if we assume that the feature sets can be pretty similar among competitors, then we decided to overinvest in branding. Because if, if people are going to make a decision based on, okay, here are my four options, who should I choose? We want people to identify with us at the higher end. So we overinvested and now we get this beautiful new website. And then we also needed to launch an app store listing page. So there's just a ton of copy and imagery and visuals and decisions and micro decisions and pricing decisions and all these things all at the same time. You know, you got all that stuff ready for, for Monday. So mm-hmm. 
we were talking about last week was all the unknowns of like the competition, where, where is your pricing going to land? What's going to be the, what, what does the traffic and, and usage look like on day one? Like, what did that look like? Like the moment it went live, what were your very first, like, I don't know, reactions or impressions? Yes. Uh, so we were actually ready to launch the week prior. That was the originally scheduled date. And then Shopify pushed it back by a week. And at first I was upset. I was like, look, we just killed ourselves to get ready. And now maybe some of our competitors aren't ready and we're pushing it back. But that was the whole point of rushing. <laughs> it ended up being good to have that extra week of QA and buttoning things up and the website and everything else. So got everything set for the Friday, made the switch on the website on Saturday so that it wasn't like a Monday morning DNS thing to just remove that. Uh, we hit the pricing page. So then Monday it goes live. And the way it went live was Shopify's announcement. So the Shopify Twitter account puts out this article in this blog post about these new things you can do with the checkout. Then Toby, the CEO, retweets it. And then we get tagged along with the other partners. And then all of a sudden it's a, a frenzy of all the partners talking about it and everyone talking about it, all the audiences, all that stuff. They do an email blast? An email blast is coming up this Saturday, actually. Oh, okay. So they held off on that and that's kind of, you know, where's it's kind that? of like Lips. wave one and then there'll be like yes. wave two. Yes. So this weekend is like that smile and sweaty emoji. Like that's like, oh, cool. You're going to send an email to a million merchants. Okay. Right. <laughs> let's, let's see how that goes. <laughs> so thing goes out Monday. It, it's euphoria. It's so exciting. Everyone's freaking out a million likes and, you know, Toby and Harley are liking my tweet and all that stuff. So it's all, a lot of excitement. The signups are great. Hundreds of signups. Awesome. Usage, okay, but then the support channel just, whoa, you know, support channel lights up. And there's just a lot to I was explain. I was curious about that because you were talking about the preparation week, week before, months before with the marketing and the product. Like what kind of preparation goes into the customer support? Because I feel like it, it's got to be a, a totally different, it's obviously a different product to support. Like how do you get them all trained up on it? So we, we signed up for Intercom about a month ago and started working on support docs. So while the marketing team is doing the website and the app listing page, the support team and success team are writing out support docs and setting up intercom and chat bots and segmentation and all that stuff. Hmm. And, and so like, on. And like uh, understanding how to support Shopify users specifically, you know. And, and, and what ended up being the most complex was actually cardhook users because people know cardhook as one thing. And then we just gave them something very, very different. It's not like, oh, now Cardhook that we know now works with Shopify. That's not it at all. It is completely different, totally different limitations. And the limitations are severe enough because this is, this is a beta for Shopify. This is not full-fledged. A ton of the support is around, well, I used to be able to do this. How do I do that in, in this? And us being like, guys, <laughs> this, this isn't that at all. I was wondering about the customers who were, I know they were like grandfathered in for a while, but like with this switch, this, this covers everyone, even the longtime customers. The Shopify's hope and intention is to build up toward feature parity with their checkout so that people can leave all of the third-party checkouts and go onto theirs. That's what they want. They want the GMV to go through them. Okay. We are pretty far from that right now. And, and that is totally understandable. And at the same time, the expectations around the Shopify market, what people want is so strong that, that that's what made this week tough for us. So ton of signups, decent amount of activation, 
we found three issues that have to be addressed immediately. That's kind of where the priorities shifted. Like we have a long list of features and requests and stuff that's for the future. But we, we very quickly determined, oh, we have a list of three priorities that must be tackled. First, uh, a database issue. The way we were syncing products was wrong. Had to do that. Engineering team did, I mean, crazy. It was an enormous amount of hours that they just didn't really get to sleep for a few days. And then that got fixed. Next one is we made a UX decision that is unexpected and it, it, it needs to be addressed. So that'll be changed uh, by the middle of next week. And then after that, slightly less important is around styling, around people want, wanting the template and the default template to look a little different. But right, but when you think about it, like the database was no question, has to be done no matter what, otherwise things are going to jam up. So before they jam up, let's fix that. The UX thing is bad enough uh, or severe enough, whatever you want to call it. What I told the team is that has to get done within the first 14 days because we have to show these hundreds of people that just started a 14-day trial that we can be responsive enough to something like that within the first 14 days, or they're going to walk away and they're never going to give us a chance again. What we wanted happened. A lot of people signed up, but what we, the other thing we wanted was for things to chill out after launching. And that's, that's just not happening yet. Mm. Yep. What's the deal with like reviews? Like, have you seen any like initial reviews come in? Yeah. Right now it's just five-star reviews. So we have a handful of just five-star reviews which is great, but you look over at the competitors and they have a mixture and you know, your time is coming. <laughs> you know, you're going to get blasted on a one-star review. And if it's just like, I couldn't get it to work and it doesn't work in Italian and I'm mad at you, like that's easy. But if it's valid criticism, then that we're, we're just preparing for that. It's, it's like much more public than we're used to. So it's new, yeah. but yeah. We'll, we'll, we have to get used to it. Crazy, man. Yeah, it's exciting. So it's overall, it's good and it's exciting. And, and I'm trying to take the emotion out of it. And I'm trying as much as I can to show the team that this isn't an emotional sprint. This is a professional marathon. We're going to settle in. We're going to get through the holidays. There's one really big blocker for a ton of merchants that if they have customized their Shopify checkout at all, if they have touched the checkout, it, it won't work with any post-purchase offers ourselves and anyone else. And so there's an enormous amount of support happening right now. People coming in saying, hey, I signed up. This looks amazing, but it's not working. Can you tell me why? And then the response is, well, it looks like you've changed a color on your checkout and therefore it won't work. So you can either go back to the default checkout or come back to us in January, February when Shopify does the checkout upgrade. And then it's disappointment. Uh, so it's, it's yeah. basically just going to be like that for like 90 days. Yeah, so that's tough. It just is what it is. It's that uh, is tough. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's that's a cool experience. And I love our website. <laughs> it's like the first thing, I'm, dude. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's pretty slick. <laughs> it's the first thing, not the first thing. It's just the thing I'm most proud of that we have ever published on the internet. Yeah, it's you really know, like cool. we've we've never really been able to invest in design. We found this amazing person, Kyle, who runs a company called Brass Hands here in 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 Oregon, actually in Bend, and he just he just he said, if we're going to, if we're going to redo the site, do you mind if I like get at the brand? And I was like, hell yes, go for it. And that's what he came up with. And it's, uh, I love it. Nice. I mean, you know, I, I design all my sites, all, all the marketing sites, and I love how you have all this animation, like movement in and out as you scroll in and out of the page. And that's something that I've always, it's like a detail that I've always wanted to have on my sites, but that's one of the limitations of being like the designer slash 
founder is like, I design it and I write the copy and I'm like, all right, that's good enough to launch. I never allow myself the extra time and bandwidth to like do the fanciness. And that's, that's what you get when you go to an agency, right? Yes. And, and the animations elevate it. And, and that's what we needed. We, we need the merchant who is doing $50 million a year to look at our site and look at our competitor site and very clearly know which one is right for them. That, that's, that's the goal of, of that investment. Oh, yes. All right, man. How about you? What's going on? Well, I, like last week, I, I, I talked about how I shipped the visual update in, in Process Kit. And, and I was really nervous about that one, like, like I said, because it's, anytime you're, you're talking about visual user experience updates, especially if it affects the entire app, which this did, you get nervous. Like People don't like change. Even if it's better change, they, don't, they still don't like it. Now it's been like over a full week since, since that launch, and and I've actually only heard positive, you know, reviews from some of the some of the changes. No, no people upset of, but I used to do it this way. Now I can't no. find that. Okay, nice. no, and and there, I mean it wasn't drastic too. Like mo- things haven't like moved around from where they were. It's just styling and and a little bit of user experience uh, tweaks, and like I said, added like the search box and everything, so that that helps, and added this new home dashboard, which. Like I said, with search, two years in, we, we didn't have any search functionality, and now we do. The other thing that we didn't have for, for two years is any sort of home dashboard screen. Well, what's, what's, dashboards are for getting a big picture view or analysis. What, what is yeah, this? Yeah, and like when you, when you log in, where, where's the first place that you should land? You know, Because we have uh, different elements of the app. There's your processes, there's your boards, you've, you've got some projects. You could look at people's profiles and stuff. So up until last week, you land on boards. We, you know, and I could have had them land on processes. I just chose boards because that's where your projects live. And I've had a few comments. Well, one thing that I noticed, and, and again, this is about like trying to attack like the first time user, get them onboarded quicker. And I, I did not fully get into the onboarding stuff. That's coming up in the future months. But like, this is one thing where it's like, if, if you land onto boards, it's easy for you to, navigate into some rabbit holes from there that that make you miss some of the bigger picture stuff in other parts of the app like like landing on boards is good if you're like an everyday user and you've been on for months but if you're a first time user it's like wait what but a lot of my longtime users have commented they're like i love the new dashboard it's got some some stuff going on in there so so they're like oh that's so much help, more helpful and and to me as a user of, of SaaS products i almost I, I never get any use out of a dashboard view. Like I never even touch it. I, you know, that that's why I didn't I didn't like build it into the app because it, like like I use like customer IO a lot for my email mm-hmm. marketing. Right? They have a dashboard. It actually looks a lot like mine in, in Process Kit. I never ever look at any of the information on that dashboard. I just log in and then I go to the, the emails or whatever I'm looking at. You know? Okay. Okay. Um, well, like okay, WordPress, it's, it's, you think of like like the home your dashboard in WordPress. Pointless. I ne- pointless. Pointless. I never <laughs> touch it. So so I never wanted to build it. You know, mm-hmm. it's good to wait until there is reason to build it. But yeah, dashboards are interesting because they they make for pretty uh, static images, right? If you have the graphs and all that. But if you don't put useful info in there, they're really useless, and everyone interacts with them constantly. I, I sometimes think of them as like my ROI page. Like, what am I paying for? <laughs> like, the first thing you see is, what am, I, what am I paying for? Jason Lemkin, I think Jason Lemkin has an interesting post on uh, dashboards and how they become more useful 
the larger the organization that's working there because then the dashboards for management. Well, and, that, and the that's other pages. the thing. Okay. One of the, you know, as I'm, I'm really trying to, I'm constantly trying to understand what is the, the core value proposition that I'm really selling to, to my customers. And once you get past all the process and the automation stuff that you can do with it, at the end of the day, the person making the buying decision, they're not the person checking off the tasks. They're the person managing and they're the person who wants to have that visibility into what's going on. And those are the people who've been commenting like, oh, I love the dashboard because it's showing me like the, the latest activity. You know? I think there is reason to pause on, on that sentence right there. Like for people listening and for yourself as a reminder, like you, the audience you're selling to is not using the features of the app like that. Understanding that and being okay with that is important because then when you market and when you sell, you start to go toward the benefit much more naturally than instead of looking at, well, what's the benefit and what's the feature? No, if you actually know who you're talking to. Yeah. And I noticed this a lot in my sales calls. Like, like I get the question a lot, like, okay, so how can I see like a high level view of where things are at? Or how can I see what this person has on their plate this week? Like, I actually spend a, a lot of time in the sales demos covering things like that, which are not the fancy automation functionality. We get into that a little bit, but it's more about like, here's your visibility so that you could feel secure and and less anxious that things are falling through the right. cracks, right? At a glance, you look at your dashboard, you look at these analytics, you see your team of 20 people scattered around eight different projects and you see things getting yeah. done. That's what makes the cell actually really difficult is that it's it's, it's on so many different levels. Oh, where, who did I hear this from? It's tricky. So, somebody was talking about it recently on a podcast. I forgot who it was, but there are so many sales that you need to win in order to win the customer, right? Because like, because first you you, you got to sell them on on like what can I build with this tool in my business? What what will it accomplish for my business? Then like selling the selling your your project manager. Like usually I'm talking to the founder, but then they have a project manager who then manages the team. So you got to sell that person. Then then they have to sell their team of ten or fifteen people on oh this is actually going to be a good tool to use day to day for my tasks. And then you got to sell the customers if, if it's customer facing, you know, and, and it's like all you have to win on all those things before it makes sense for them to give the credit card. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. I, it makes me think of HubSpot uh, and our sales process with them. And it makes me think we just did we just did it through with Intercom also. It's like a bottoms up, then back down. It's like the, the team is like, we think we want to use Intercom and here's why. And I say, okay, cool. Well, what about XYZ? Like my questions that are very different from their questions. And then I give them the thumbs up on the price. Okay. $1,600 a month. And then they, and then it goes back down and they go, then they make sure that they can use it for everything they need. They talk to the team there. They make sure that it'll work with, you know, a frame inside the Shopify admin, all those like feature level questions. And then it goes through. It's also why you see a lot of terrible software. Uh, I don't want to call Zendesk terrible software because I really don't know, but they have a tricky reputation that they do a phenomenal job selling at the top, convincing the management level that this is what the organization needs. And then everyone who has to run that on a day-to-day -day basis and work with it isn't happy. And, they, and they're unbelievably successful with that approach. You know, I, I get customer support requests and, and, 
often it's because the buyer is coming to me because their team is complaining to them about some issue in process kit. And, and that to me, like just burns on a personal level, you know, cause like, like I would hate to piss no, my team like. off, mm-hmm. you know, I take it on myself, but it's, it's process kit, the, the product and everything. I hate for that to be responsible for causing frustration in somebody else's team environment, you know? Yes. Yes. Does that lead you into thinking deeper about which way you're, you actually want to be selling if it's from bottoms up and people discovering and saying, oh, this will make my day-to-day job easier or going to the top and saying, this will make your organization hum along a lot nicer? Well, ultimately every sale has, has basically been from the top to, to bottom. Like, it's not like I get a lot of leads or customers of like in the trenches engineer or, or technician person who says, this is really cool. I should recommend this to my boss. It, it almost never works that way. Actually, audience ops sometimes works that way. Like, like people on, on a team, they heard of audience ops and then they recommend it to their boss and they end up signing up. But, but Process Kit isn't like that. Process Kit is more like the founder or a manager at the company heard about Process Kit. So then they start to think about what, what are the possibilities that what can I do better with Process Kit? And then it's really common for them to pull in. Like, if, so if I'm talking to a founder, they will bring their project manager onto the demo call with, with that, that person's more aware of the day-to-day needs because they know like, cause the founder is like, look, I'm intrigued by this, but, but we're not going to do this unless my project manager is also on board with it. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you elevating that dashboard view and that perspective in, in the marketing and on the website? Not yet. I lost it last week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's playing catch up. Well, it make there, sense there that is you a, can start talking to that person more directly. Well, there there is an element on the on the pay, on the homepage about like visibility and and that sort of stuff, like you know, seeing stuff from a high level. But the other thing that I shipped this week gets away from that high level stuff and gets back into the look at this cool stuff that you can do with Process Kit, and that is email templates. And this is one of those things where we start to differentiate from a typical uh, project management tool. What kind of emails are you sending? Templating emails. So, so you've got a process. Let's say it's a customer onboarding process. And the fifth step in this process is you have to send a, an email to your, to your client that gives them an update on, on the progress. And, it, and that email, it always follows the same template and you just swap in the, cu- the customer's name or maybe you swap in like a special link to the thing that you're delivering every month or whatever. Like say, say you're delivering a monthly report to a client. We deliver articles to a client every week for, for audience ops. That follows a, ne- a template email. It looks exactly the same every time except we swap in the link to the article or whatever. In Process Kit, you can now, in a step in a process, you could build an email build an email template. You say, who, who is it going to? What's the subject going to be? Here's the message. And then you can use, we, we also now have liquid tags, you know, so the you can dynamically fill in the, the recipient's email, dynamically do the subject, dynamically put, you know, throw stuff into the, into the message. And you can, then your team who's going through it, they can either manually click send on that email when they get up to that step, maybe add in a personalized note if they want to, or you can automate it. When this step gets checked off, the email sends off automatically. So, so the value there is in the linking between the process and the email and just the workflow being in that place as opposed to, okay, uh, this part yeah. of the process, I, I need to go off to my email. Because a really common workflow is a team is following their processes. 
maybe they've documented it in, in, in a process kit or in Google Docs or something. They get up to the step where, okay, time to send off the, the template email. Now I got to copy and paste our template email and manually fill in these variables and do this and that. Now it's a, a built-in part of the process. Is, is So being able to create template emails and send them off as part of a, a process that you can execute repeatedly following your template, like that's the kind of thing that it's it's not even in the roadmap on on like an Asana or, or or a Basecamp or or a Trello. You know, it's 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 too niche of a need. But client services, which is my target audience, they do that kind of stuff all the time. You know, are you worried about that complexity? Because e- email is its own monster. So I, I was a little bit worried about it. Not super worried because it's not like we're limiting, like you can't, you can't send to more than five recipients in an email. So you can't use this for mass emailing. It's, it's for, you know, one-off things. And, and it's also not, you, you wouldn't receive emails back. It's going out from your, your email address actually. Oh, well, at least the, the reply to is coming back. Yeah. To the you. reply to yeah. would, would go into your help scout or your Gmail, whatever you're using. So I, yeah, I'm not super worried about it, but I but I did go like above and beyond on like displaying to the user like, look, this email has the automation turned on, so it's going to send when this happens. Like, to, just be totally clear about that. I, no, no, no double opt-in confirmation modal thing <laughs> ahead of time. Uh, well, part of it is uh, part of the benefit is to automate it, but you have the option to. It's it's not automated by default. It's it's off by default, and then. You have the option to just manually send these emails off or, or not, you know. All right. That's a lot of progress on the on the product front. Yep. And positioning. It's difficult, man. Which part? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All um, of it. It's, it's balancing. <laughs> Derek Reimer had a great tweet yesterday and he nailed it. Product development is, it's, I'm paraphrasing here, product development is like the art of, of disappointing your, your customers in, in a way that they will accept. It, it's like the art of disappointing your customers in the most acceptable way. <laughs> you know? Because yeah, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly like, it, it's constantly getting, I'm getting these feature requests. I've got a long list of them and it's trying to figure out what do I build next? And then, and then you mix into that, you've got brand new trial users who are on their way to converting and they've got bug reports and they've got things that they're trying to do is like, Ooh, I could ship that and probably convert this customer. And it's, Oh, software is hard. It's just, it, it really, the expectations around it these days are very, very high and it's very, very difficult to do. It's just, there's just no way around it. I, I find myself like chuckling at how I used to think about software and how, and someone came back to me and was like, that's the earliest we can do that is by end of next week. I would have thought, well, how could anything take nine days? That feels so small, but that's just not, that's, that's not how it works. It does force, it puts a lot of pressure on what's next and prioritization. And I find myself admiring product people. Like we have a new product person in the company, Chelsea, she, and she jumped on board for the Shopify app. So she she joined like 75 days ago. <laughs> so what she got thrown into is so crazy. And the ability to stay organized under that pressure, it's just, I just can't do that. I just admire it because you, you really, and, and what, what ends up happening is the team wants that so much that the product people, they just turn into leaders because everyone just looking to them like, please give me a sense of calm. My plate feels so chaotic. If I look 
throughout the entire company that feels so overwhelming. And the product person's like, I got this. We have a process for this. This is what happens next. Nice and slow. No rush. Yeah. And so that's that, the only way it works. And that, and I'm basically that role. I'm, I'm the product person, like the product manager, essentially. Part of it is like, oh, all right, what this customer is asking for, it's so small that I know I, I could code that and, and ship it this week. So, so I don't want to disturb my developer who's making progress on something else that's bigger. So, so I'll tackle it. And then there's five of those in a week. And then it's like, oh, I, I totally put off that marketing thing I was supposed to do, you know? And I'm starting to feel the thing where this, this is where it, it would really feel a lot better if I had like three developers instead of one other than me, you know, because we're also running into performance issues as the user base grows and users individually using it even more. There, there's performance issues that we, ha- that we have to deal with, which is not just throwing more money at it, although I am doing that. <laughs> so like, that's what really bugs me is when I have to put my developer on half of his week just dealing with optimizing memory leaks when, you know, I would love to have one developer on that kind of stuff, one developer on the small feature requests and bug fixes, and then one just pushing on the new features. The business is not at a point, I think, where it justifies that. I'm Instead, I'm spending on marketing right now and growing that team. Um, but yeah, what, what you're describing, how to properly use limited resources is, is really the whole, the whole point, the whole challenge I mean, the, of The, ma- the result of that gets back to what Derek is saying on Twitter, which is y- you have to just be willing to, to tell customers. That's coming much later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Derek's one of those people, though, that makes you think that they can defy the laws of gravity. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> How are you moving this quickly? I don't understand. A lot of it is he's also gotten good at sharing publicly the parts that make sense to share publicly. And so it does have a sense of momentum and this constant sense of progress, which is something uh, I know we have not done a good job at. It's great to see that and want to emulate it. Just the filter of what should be shared, what gets people excited, what should be open for debate and what shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I I try to share a lot too. And it's hard. Derek does a really great job of it. For anyone who who follows somebody who does that on Twitter, like when you see the animated GIF and you see a two minute video, it's really hard to prepare those and push them out. You know, because like, first of all, like you said, like it has to be a feature that is so concise that you could actually share and it, and it makes sense to, to consume at right. a glance, like on a tweet. Yeah, no context. Because um, there's a ton of stuff that we ship every week and process it. Most, 90% of it doesn't make sense for me to tweet about. But then it's like the preparation. Usually when I ship a feature, like the email templates feature, I'll probably do this next week, what, what I'm talking about here, which is I'll make a longer video that I'll use for support, probably five or six minutes long. And that'll go in our support docs. But Twitter, you have a two-minute limit. And five minutes is too long for yeah, that no anyway. Answer. So I usually take that same video and I, and I cut out all the cruft. And just, to, just the key highlights make it into the two-minute version that I, that I throw into the tweet. You know? um, and that's, a, that's like a half a day of just preparing that, just doing the editing. You know? Right, right. But it is, it is marketing. It's not just frivolous like for yourself. Right. It's, it's not just that it's, it's, there's more and building in public these days, especially on Twitter. That's pretty, pretty interesting. There's the, there's a few companies too, that I think of where I'm like, you know what, if I were you, I would not build this in public. So there's pipe, 
You heard of that company? Yep. Um, so they're building like a new asset class, right? I, I talked to them about it. it. Didn't make sense for us, but it's a it's it's brilliant actually, and the positioning is great on it. It takes your MRR and, and they basically pay you. Well, think about what we do. We offer a subscription. I'm, I'm talking we like everyone in software. 100 bucks a month, right? So it's 1,200 for the year. But if you sign up now and you give me a thousand bucks in cash up front now, I'll give it to you for a thousand bucks, right? You know, it's not a 20 percent discount, but a, a discount. So what Pipe basically does is say we'll give you 1100 for that right now. And then we'll collect the money over time. And if someone cancels, we'll basically just move it over to someone else. So you don't have to like pay us in the middle. So it's like a taking a smaller discount than you would normally offer to a customer and getting that money up front and turning your monthly subscriptions into annual payouts. Brilliant. It's so brilliant. Everyone's going to copy it. <laughs> I don't think I would be, I would be doing it in public. There's another one called Main Street. It's even worse. Getting back to that thing, like, like, like our ideas, you know, everyone loves to say like, oh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Like, just don't, don't be so, uh, don't, don't work in stealth mode. Don't do this and that. But like, there are some uh, things <laughs> that are, it, first of all, SaaS is super competitive now. And second of all, like you said, like somebody like, like Derek and any other developers out there who, who know their way around the tools, there are so many tools and frameworks now that, that speed up especially early MVP development. Yeah. It feels so more dangerous much now. faster. It feels more dangerous. I mean, yeah. Th- you know, things like, like bullet train on rails and, and jumpstart rails and, and like, and that's just in the rails community that every framework has their like yeah, Laravel has got all their stuff. And then like Laravel spark. And then you, and then you've got other tools that just speed up every, every common component is so much faster to build now. It does feel more dangerous right now. There's a company called main street and the founder, I, I think he's too boisterous. I think he's having a great time and the company's taken off like an absolute rocket ship and he's talking about it and I would not be talking about it. You know, all they do, I don't know, trivialize it, but what they do is they apply for the R&D credit. A, a lot of companies, especially ones with, without a, a professional like, you know, account that understands startups are not applying for an R&D credit. And when you build software, you can claim an R&D credit and get a potentially large refund back. So they just go through that process for you and then take a portion of the refund, which sounds familiar to me because that's what we used to do for the property tax reduction business with my, with right, my, right, my family. Right. This is this is not a hard business to copy. <laughs> These guys yeah. went to like 250K <laughs> in MRR in like 60 days. If I'm not working on a startup right now, like I'm, I'm cloning that thing and I'm putting salespeople on the phone, there's, there's, there is, you don't really need that much software behind it. Yes, you want to build the software like they have to make it automated, blah, blah, blah. But you can offer that service anytime. So going to Twitter on that, I don't think it's a good idea. The opposite is, I, th- you know, Jack Butcher, Visualize Value. Have you started following him? I don't think so. You, you should. He, I think he's the latest example of building in public really well and just towing the line between this is me bragging about how much money I'm making. And this is how little money I made last year compared to this year, because this is what I did over that year. This is how I stuck with it. And this is how I found my positioning. And here's my course that shows you how to find your own thing. And it's kind of beautifully lined up between things that are free, things that are lower priced and things that are higher priced. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, it's called visualize value. And it's him and his wife. I think it's a husband wife team. He's a designer. She runs the business. It's kind of one of these public building things that you can't help but want them to succeed and want to support them. It's, it's, yeah. it's a great, great example. Very cool. 
that's it, man. We're just going to need to avoid the election talk. Besides that, I think I think we're good. I think we did a good job of that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, you know refreshing the New York Times and see who see who won this thing. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm ready for it to just be done. Yep. yep, yep. All right, man. Great to catch up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good weekend. Later. Later.